Hi, welcome to the Mohua Show. My name is Mohua Chinappa and I am an author, entrepreneur and ex-housewife. This podcast is about everything from business to technology to arts to lifestyle but done and spoken imandari se. Hi, in today's episode we have with us Manish Saxena. Manish is the lead of Adhyam Handwoven and an advisor to Tommy Hilfiger. Calvin Klein Arrow he's also the ex co-founder of limeroad.com Manish and his initiative with Adhyam Handwoven which is the corporate social initiative of the Aditya Birla group has been working currently with six weaver communities in India namely Banaras Badoi Pochampalli Kashmir Gadwal and Bhuj with Adhyam their vision is to create a self-sustaining ecosystem for the finest artisans of the country by supporting and selling their crafts and thus impacting their quality of life Welcome Manish in today's episode. What initially attracted you to the beauty and the elegance of the sari and you know how has that passion influenced your professional journey? It's very rare to meet a man who would take his personal passion and pursue that as a professional part of his life. Thank you first of all and uh, I'm glad to be here. So to answer your question I think sari is something which I think uh, like it has been just completely an osmosis kind of a process because I and i think like many of the indian homes you have seen your mothers and your family in the sarees but i think everybody has a different level of enchantment towards the saree and i think in my case i think it just became as a love for textiles and love for actually anything which was hand woven and then saree is a very much an intrinsic part of it so yes that's where it started but i think i didn't even realize that as to when it became a sort of an infatuation and a process of learning as to which sari comes from which region and what defines it and what signature and i think i should just say that i'm blessed that i am now being able to pursue it as a profession also and adhyam handwoven has given that opportunity to work with different weaving clusters which actually produce these impeccable pieces of art so yes sari firstly as a memory and secondly as a form i think has always intrigued me and i think i just love the the overall picture that comes in my head every time i think of a sari to me i think it's fantastic that when you think of corporates you know like adhyam who adhyam and woven that's taken this up as a csr initiative into the arts and crafts of india that often doesn't find a market outside because the colors and all of that can become a problem you know in the international market of course in india it is a price sensitive market how did you go about choosing the clusters you know in india the three clusters that you guys are working on so this is an initiative which is uh, personally driven by mr kumar manglam birla and i think the original idea was actually to be able to enable artisans in a manner where they continue to do what they are skilled with and the whole idea therefore started from how can that support be and the support led to three very distinct clusters to begin with so the whole idea was that in hand woven how do we define very different techniques so one coming from bhuj which is like an extra weft weaving which is very akin to almost like embroidering on loom while it's not embroidery but it's almost like you actually embroider it thread by thread onto the loom then of course the banaras weaving which is various types of banaras weaving like karwa and tanchoi each of them having a very different look and feel but very very so to say royal as against what bhuj is known for and then of course pochampalli which is ikkat weaving which is again completely different 
And over the last few years, we've of course added a couple of other clusters, which we felt that the audience was looking for that kind, as well as how do they bring a totally different set of uh, products into our portfolio. So for example, we've added Kashmir and uh, we've done some excellent pieces in Kani and excellent pieces in Pashmina saris again. So that's again a category which we felt uh, while there is enough and more available in it, but not enough which is truly representing the authentic part of it. And of course, the other thing which we try and obviously gauge is where is it that we can bring difference to handwoven so that it does not in some manner compete with what the power loom has started to replicate? Because that's a very critical point because the customer is not able to, you know, just with the naked eye be able to see the difference between a handloom and power loom. But still there are certain things which thankfully cannot be repl replicated in power loom yet. So those are the kind of pieces we try and focus on so that the customer can truly see the value of handmade in it. It'll be fantastic, Manish, actually for, you know, our viewers and our listeners to understand how would you differentiate between a power loom and a hand loom? Because uh, my mother always said that if you you need to turn the sari around or the fabric around to check on the knots. And, uh, you know, there'll be it'll, it's not going to be as uh, neat as, uh, you know, in a power loom. So what uh, would you share that one can differentiate? So that's definitely first of the most important thing is to see the back of the sari because while they can replicate the front, but the back and that neatness is truly one of the things. But unfortunately, power loom is now geared to be able to give a finish which is closest to how it may appear. But of course, so I think the other point which I would like to add is, and it's a bit of an emotional point, so to say, but I think you can feel the suppleness of a handloom sari way more because obviously because somebody has used their hands to actually cross the warp and the weft. So there is a certain amount of force and a certain amount of, uh, so to say, the warmth in which the sari gets done as against a machine made where the force is uniform and strong all through. So the fat fabric that eventually comes out is not as supple so, and it's a bit flatter as well because of the kind of heat and the pressure that it has gone through. Whereas handloom is something which is truly created with love and affection and that I think that bounds that thing actually translates itself into the final. So may, like for example in Banarsis, if you see the same motif if made by hand versus made by power loom, you will find it way more flatter in a power loom, whereas in a hand-woven piece, it will be more raised and more, you know, sort of over the weft and warp. So the whole, uh, I would say both the visual and the feel part of it are very different. Obviously, this is something which uh, you will realize more and more as you sort of touch and feel. So it's all about touch and feel eventually. It's really interesting actually, you know, that Adhyam has been able to sustain these sort of arts and crafts that would have just probably died a death. And there have been so many arts and crafts in India that have died a death because of uh, the lack of customers, the lack of uh, just the sheer knowledge of how to go about, uh, you know, marketing their products. Have you faced any sort of challenge in getting the artisans to work with you because they are artists and they would probably take their own sweet time in, you know, coming back to you with a product? I mean, I've heard of these really hilarious stories that, uh, you know, there's a shadi in the gown and the entire village will just take off for that uh, shadi and they will not come back to you with the product and you'll have to just wait for your own sweet time, you know. Have you also faced these sort of uh, situations in the clusters that you are working on? 
Right. So I think, yeah, very interesting question because I think I'll just try and answer it in two ways. So yeah, definitely we have to, one thing one has to be is to be sensitive to the way the artisan's life is because they live in an environment, thankfully, where they don't want to feel the market pressure. And I think that is important for us to, you know, sort of sustain that. Uh, but of course, there are lead times. There are facts that we have a cycle. We have to furnish our stores. We have to keep replenishing stocks. Sometimes when there are buyer orders, we have to service them on time. So, of course, the one part of the trick is on keeping longer lead times. But the other part is also with our cluster people who are actually based in the cluster, who actually handle the weavers all 365 days. So while, of course, they do the job as they best do, we give them all the support in terms of having like, so to say, a friend along who actually micromanages things so that things actually come out looking consistent, great quality and somehow on time as well. But yes, there is a lot of emotional management to that. The other part, I would say, yes, of course, there have been many, many challenging stories. But what's really great is that when they actually weave something, which they have stopped weaving. And mostly what I hear is, that they've stopped weaving because they think that the customer doesn't want it because the customer is looking for maybe simpler things, lower price points or whatever be the reasons. Over the last few years, they have stopped doing some of their most beautiful and complex and intricate works. But what gives me confidence to keep going back to them and asking them to do those kind of things is that whenever we've done that, those are the ones which get sold the fastest. So those are the ones that the consumer eventually, which may not be money in numbers, but those are the pieces which the consumer immediately understands. And I'm saying consumers who are sensitive to handloom, they immediately get it that this is a kind of piece which they haven't seen for some time. Or this is the kind of piece they would want again in our wardrobe because it brings back probably memories for them or whatever it may be. But yes, and at the end of it, the artisan also feels great that they were able to do something which is truly their skill because they've been making a lot of commercial product and while it is great perhaps in some places for just income kind of a thing, but it doesn't give that gratification to them. So I think it has to be a good mix of both the commercial and these, so to say, masterpieces and that is something which I think any artisan would enjoy more, that they are able to bring the best of their craft. So yeah, there have been cases like there was an artisan in Nikkat in Pochampalli who actually had got an award on one of the Telia Rumal pieces. And he had made it about 12-15 years back or something. And he was absolutely refusing to replicate it because he said, I cannot take on this piece again because it's extremely time consuming. Then obviously we first thing which we had to address was what is the kind of cost that is right for it. Because obviously if he's putting his heart and soul and effort and time on it, we have to pay him right. And then we said, okay, you tell us whatever price you want, but we need to bring something back like this. And he actually then made it for us, which actually got, I think some 10 or 12 pieces got made over two years, but they sold out like immediately. And the artisan felt great that he actually did that. So, I think the ikat that uh, you know that Adhyam handwoven has is its collection. I think they are f absolutely stunning and uh, they are absolutely gorgeous. 
and the color combinations let's just talk a little about banaras because it's really close to my heart it's close to my heart because i think as a bengali we look forward it's a very coveted piece the banarsi saree and uh, generally it's worn for weddings and um, you know the most uh, middle class man aspires to buy a banarsi saree for his daughter you know when they are to get uh, married and obviously banarsi colors were very very um, the market during the time that i remember used to be mainly pinks and they were beautiful colors they were very royal like you said and adhyam i think has worked on different color palettes now you know and uh, they are more subtle they are like you know the dupatta that i had worn was unimaginable color from banaras you know But how do you go out there and help them understand about the difference in the age old practice of the kind of colors that india is used to and maybe a person who will probably want to use that dupatta uh, the with their western clothing um was that a challenge or was that fun you know to explain to them actually banaras has been quite a learning for us because there's just such a diversity of crafts there but at the same time i think we have been able to probably provide the line i would say both in sarees and in home in such a manner that people can actually see the difference like you rightly said and thank you so much for that uh, so while yes a red banarsi saree is almost iconic and it is a must have and it is something which needs to be woven again and again and again because one can never have enough of that but i think the whole uh, understanding is while this is one special piece but if you actually look at the vocabulary from the earlier pieces there used to be a lot of these seasonal colors and there used to be a lot of these so to say summer sofiana palette which used to be almost non color almost like those pistas and uh, sharbati colors and the falsai colors which were always there in their vocabulary but over a period of time obviously the red became iconic and then the bright ones is what obviously caught people's attention more than the subtler pieces so i think somewhere our effort is one to bring back those kind of pieces so that people can actually use them for different occasions like another thing i would like to perhaps say is that we obviously identify banarsi as a silk but there is so much of it which is about cotton banarsis which was something which is almost extinct actually unfortunately because the weavers think that their skill is not paid enough when they make a cotton saree because a mindset is that we want to spend lesser on a cotton saree and more on a silk saree but the cotton banarsis are absolutely fabulous like the jamdanis also the cotton jamdanis of course bangladesh and bengal is a totally different space of jamdani but even the banaras jamdanis in cotton are absolutely exquisite so while this is one side is the fabric and the other side is the color i think both of them need to get a bit of revival and a bit of refreshing so that people have more reasons to buy this but also this becomes really effective when we use this in home and when we create cushions and table runners and those are the kind of things where again it comes out beautifully and distinctly in fact i sometimes when we make certain cushions i think this needs to go on the wall as a wall art sometimes it comes out that exquisite but i'm glad that people are being able to use handloom beyond just wearing it because truly handloom has multiple uses and i think those banaras cushions just come out very distinct and exquisite oh absolutely they just spruce up a house and you know the like centerpiece it will become like the centerpiece the talking piece of the whole uh, you know home it's sari and the language that it has spoken to us through the years 
it's it's extremely interesting you know for so for me i've never seen my mother wear anything but a sari my grand grandmother my dida my thakur ma my grandparents uh, you know they wore the indian clothing and uh, so my memory with the sari is attached you know to the delhi summers where my mother used to put mar in the cotton sarees in her you know in, and dry that out and then give it to the press guy to iron it out and in winters it was always silks Right. So tell me about your earliest memory with the sari. Just as you mentioned it, yeah, I think the whole uh, seasonality is something which I love about the fact that you know you take out your cottons and then you pack them away and then you take out your silks. So each time there is a season change, you just actually address it with a different type of textile and a different kind of color palette. So yes, that being one, and like. my whole earlier childhood memories are all about my mother getting ready to leave for her she was a professor she she would get up uh, first thing in the morning she would take out so it was almost like i would wait to see that what is the flavor of the day and i think the whole uh, the whole diversity of it as to how it used to come together was something which but i think what i and i do fight this a lot today that i think the mindsets have become that if somebody wears a sari probably they are of traditional mindset you know we tend to associate this in our head now of course a lot of people are choosing to wear a sari as well but i think even there i think they're choosing to wear it more as a statement and not as a way of living because otherwise for me a sari is such an eternal garment that i think uh, you can just about do anything in a sari and the sari molds it around that rather than so it's almost like you wear the sari the sari doesn't wear you but most of the other structured garments i think they define the look more than what you can so of course the fact that you can drape it in your style you can drape it the way you want to show your personality but i think a woman can look extremely modern in a sari so one of my of course my favorites uh, eras is also the way the royalty brought in the modernity to the sari without really taking away from the grace of the sari yes. so you know the way you see those um, uh, areas when you know how they made it so ravishingly beautiful for cocktails and the way it just became just transformed and yet not lost its beauty and the grace and the subtlety because i think that's the beauty of a sari that the way you wear it you can just make it right for any occasion it's really interesting when you say this because you know in the tagore household there's a certain kind of sari that they right. used to wear yeah. sarees used to be woven for the women there and uh, sarees were worn for the horse races sarees were worn for parties sarees were worn and the, you know we have maharani gayatri devi who just paired it with her you know right. purple necklace uh -huh. and voila she was so so gorgeous So yeah thanks so much and uh, the last question uh, Manish would be that Adim has taken up these few clusters and I mean it's amazing what you have done with these clusters are there any clusters that uh, you are uh, going to take up in the near future in India So like I mentioned we've added Kashmir then we have we also work in rugs in Badoi and Mirzapur and we are looking at Gadwal which is almost like again one of the lost crafts and we have been working on it for last 2 years and our first collection is going to come out which will be a true gadwal otherwise gadwal has gone through so many transformations that the original gadwal is completely lost so that was the effort that bring back the weavers to actually make it in the most authentic original way which is where you 
actually join the palla and the border on the loom, which is very, very complex craft. Uh, but the fact is that when we commit to a weaver, we actually commit them to work 365 days and thereon without ever keeping their looms free. So therefore, when we get into a cluster, we have to really thoroughly research it to be able to understand that how many looms would be viable for us to run continuously without really disrupting the work because that's the kind of faith we need to build for the weavers that they should just once they join hands as partners they should then just be uh, you know sort of devoid of any market calamities or anything but they just continue to get work and just keep doing beautiful work without getting impacted by anything so that's why it's a cautious growth and a very sort of uh, thought through additions but yes, we have a couple of clusters lined up and more in the sari spaces as well. Uh, so some of them being Aurangabad for the Petnis and uh, Ilkal. So these are a few which are work in progress and hopefully soon. Thank you so much. Thanks so much. Thank Thanks. you. To you, our dearest listeners, you can find us on your favorite streaming services, Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple Podcast, and of course, on all other major streaming services. With loads of love, we are The Mohua Show, where we talk Imandari Seh.